we have to create the right vibe, you know, the energy and everybody at the organization has to feel so privileged to be here. It's, it's no other way. Thanks for listening to the Purely Arsenal podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Purely Arsenal FP for all the latest Arsenal podcasts. Welcome to another Christmas edition of a Purely Arsenal sit-down podcast. We're here to review the 1-1 draw at Anfield. Neil, you predicted a draw. I think it was 2-2. You predicted. I might be wrong, but I think it was. Neil Shah with me. How are you doing, Neil? Hello, Jack. Merry Christmas to you and Merry Christmas to everyone. So, uh, kind of uh, kind of happy, kind of frustrated, but point at Anfield, I think most pe- teams and most people would take that. So, fair yeah. play. Yeah, top of the tree at Christmas. Not necessarily a good omen for us. Last five times we've been top at Christmas. We haven't gone on to win the league. Last time we did go on to win the league after being top at Christmas was in 1947-48. Um, but, but... We are where we want to be, put it that way. And um, it's not going to be a negative on this podcast to be top of Christmas Day, um, the top of the tree. But, Neil, you're right. Isn't that a good thing, though? Isn't that a good thing to come away from Anfield against a team that, let's be honest, is very different to the Liverpool we played last season? And, and like you said, and like the players said, um, we heard Saka say after the game as well, that they felt a little bit frustrated. They felt like there was the game was there to be won, almost. And, and, and Liverpool may also feel the same. But I do think um, when we review the game and we talk about it as we're going to, I think I think we will feel um, that maybe there was a little bit more in this game for us. And I think it maybe outlined some of the areas of where we can improve as well, which we'll we'll kind of get into. But let's 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 talk about the game, Neil. Anfield. I mean, I, I was I talked to you about it offline. I was I was kind of. Uh, I was a little bit nervous going into this game after last season. You know, the wheels kind of started to fall off last season with our title charge. And really, it kind of kick-started Liverpool into the form that they are now in because they went on a really strong run after then. And obviously, they've improved over the summer and they definitely look like a, a force again under under Klopp. I don't think there's any, been any doubt in that. I know there's been some people claiming that, you know, possibly, but I've always felt that definitely in massively in the title race this season, just like we are, just like City are. And um, and we knew it was going to be a really, really tough game. But Neil, overall, just before we get into like the details and the tactical part of it, um, your overall feeling like after that game, I know you seem a little bit frustrated, but what was your big sort of takeaway after that game? We sort of settled in and thought, okay, draw, take it, uh, move on. But what was your overall feeling after after seeing the fact that we, we came away from Anfield? I mean, definitely very controlled manner, I thought. Yeah, I'm, I think initially I've, 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 I've <laughs> having stepped on it for not many hours, but I've, having stepped on it, and literally even before going to sleep, I watched the highlights of much of the day, and I think I was more. It's it's a knee jerk reaction as a fan when you're a little bit annoyed, frustrated, and I put a tweet out saying that you know I think we 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 missed a the trick there and our forwards were misfiring and I thought Martinelli didn't have a particularly good game and he didn't have a particularly good game it's etc etc but you got to remember you when when most of us tweet or we put things on social media or even talk to friends even even the days before all this technology you got knee jerk reactions you you you're you're in the moment you're passionate you've been looking forward to a game. Uh, somewhat, some some of us very nervously, or some of us with confidence. But whichever way it is, you're still looking forward to arguably the most important game thus far 
this season. And um, yeah, if you're into it in that way, in the mindset and, em- and emotional wise, if something happens which doesn't quite go the way you want it to, you're going to have reactions emotionally in whatever. Um, well, I do anyway. I'm not saying uh, everyone's like that, but you know, with with with, with this, it's just the passion, isn't it, Jack? So I then watched the match of the day, and I went to sleep thinking, actually, I may have been a little bit harsh. I I I think because now when I review it for myself, it's because we haven't won there since 2012, and I think that was the biggest thing for me. That why why still after a, over a decade. Yes, we went through a period where we were struggling under Wenger as well. We were struggling. And then the, the transition after Wenger, and you know, it's understandable. The team's taking time to adjust and etc., uh, etc. Et but you still feel... We've always been up there as one of the biggest clubs in Europe, Jack, right? Whatever people say. Not having won the Champions League and the European Cup, whatever, but we're still up there as one of the big, big teams. And we still can't get this win against Liverpool away. And I think that I came, that's what I took away from it. It was the fact that not looking at the performance in isolation, but just generally another chance where we took the lead, just very much like last season. Last season actually was probably worse because we were in such an utter control. I've never seen anything like it. I think I've said it um, at the, afterwards in the pod. I said, I think we've played the best at Liverpool for so many years. We 2-0 up. What the hell did we do? Why, why did that Shaka and Trent moment ruin things? Or why did we let that get under our skin, etc.? And, and And that kind of let the crowd back in and take over almost, if you like, and gave the, the opposition players the boost. So it, it, was, it was that. But looking back at it, I thought, maybe I've been harsh. Maybe I'm a bit tad harsh. Actually, Martinelli, some of the stuff he was doing was pretty good. And there's a couple of bits that I saw on match today which I'd completely forgotten about where he's driving forward. And, you know, the chances, I think he he wasn't on it. Let's let's put it that way. He wasn't on it as much as we're used to seeing seeing him. He's always got, he's had the energy, don't get me wrong, but he always does find a way to cut into the box as well or deliver or do something. But I found many times he was getting stopped before that final bit of his play. Um, and that was the frustration. But there was a lot of stuff that actually he did wasn't bad. I think I was all right, correct with Zinni not playing as well as we know he can. He's not a defender, Jack. I'm going to say it now. He's just not a defender. You know, you guys talk about it all the time off air on WhatsApp. Michael makes a point about it as well. Plays the big six, especially away. He falls apart. He just cannot defend. He's probably better as a creative midfielder or he's good when things are going for us and we are playing possession football only. It's difficult for him when it's the other way around. And I, I, I'm sure for 100% that if Tommy was fit, he would have played. But I've talked for too long. probably, yeah. Uh, yeah, or Timber. I've talked for too long. I think afterwards, after watching match today, as I was falling asleep, um, I felt, do you know what? point at Anfield, take it all day long. So I, I came away with it feeling actually not too bad at all. I thought teams have gone there and struggled. Big teams have gone there and struggled. And can I just say on, on that, I think we spoke about it uh, for, you know, when we, the Luton, the Luton game that we uh, managed to scrape 4-3. Mm-hmm. And I think we, every one of us said it, that a lot of teams, big teams are going to go there and struggle. And look what happened to Newcastle. 
beer. And City actually, almost struggled actually, there too. Exactly. In I know hindsight, they won it, but they did. Getting the win against Luton, although we conceded three, that's a damn good achievement. And that tells me a lot about the character of this team and, and their mentality. So actually, you know what? Now I'm even talking about it and I should shut up now. Bloody shut up, Neil. I feel a lot better. Right. Yeah, no, I agree. And the, the weird thing about it's, it's such a contrast to last season. We went in at seven, seven wins on the trot going to Anfield. They were all over the place um, when we went there. They were all over the place. They they were a bit in about seventh or eighth for the league, possibly. And they they they, they it was sort of a, they needed a kickstart moment, and that was their kickstart moment. I found it fascinating in the build up to this game after Ch- uh, Liverpool's midweek game. Klopp putting out a, a a sort of demand to the fan base to um to 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 be better which i think was a direct compliment towards us i don't think for one second he believed a lot of what he was saying there although i think he's got some truth in it i've always thought their atmosphere has been overrated but i don't think that was his intention i thought it was all about timing i thought i thought he said it for two reasons one because he knew he really needed the fans today he wouldn't have said it before man united last week um and the other reason was i thought you say things like that to to put pressure on on officials. To be honest, I think you say things like that to, to to because you know if the fans are up for it, like a Newcastle away, like we had this season, the referees, are, especially in this league, are more likely to cave to pressure. And I and I have to give the ref some credit there that I don't think he did. I thought we had about as strong a ref as I've seen at Anfield for, and and that we shouldn't be complimenting it. It's just fair, but um, but but we're not used to that. We're not used to that, really. And I felt, although I felt some of the micro decisions, the yellow card decisions and stuff like that were quite poor on our side of things. Um, the Havertz one was ridiculous from my perspective. But um, overall, the big decisions, I felt um, a few of them could well have gone against us um, in, in past years. And they shouldn't have done, but I kind of expected to do, which we'll get to. But yeah, in terms of the contrast from last year, it's just such contrast. But but in terms of, I mean, they had um, 0.9 uh, created goals to our point eight, I think, in this game. Um, so it really was a one-one game. Um, but last year, you know, the data basically said they should have won about four or five. They should have scored about four or five against us last year, as good as we were in that first forty-five minutes, and as controlled we were in that first forty-five. And I think we we mimicked the first forty-five, maybe for a little bit less time, but for for a lot of the first thirty minutes in this game, Neil, I really do. I mean, and they scored in the twenty-eighth, so. So maybe not quite till then, but I think we didn't create as much, but I think we controlled the game from the off, really. And I thought that was, again, really impressive because you see how teams, are, you know, set up from early points in the game and things like that. And you, you can see we're, we're such a controlled team and such a contrasting team to Liverpool, who really got back into the game by by going long, by going long and winning second balls. And that's really what they're all about, really. They're a track and field team, which is what I always call them. They're really effective at it, but they are basically. They they play in the odds. They've got players that can ping balls from 60 yards into really fast wingers. And it's effective for them, you know. They, 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 it was really effective for them and it works for them. So I can't moan about it. But it was two teams that were wanting to win the game, which is nice. Definitely really nice to see. We saw it a little bit last week with Brighton in a way. And it's been nice to see teams actually just trying to play football, you know, rather than what you saw last week at Liverpool, which was Man United playing like a, you know, a Division Two Cup team or something, which is kind of frustrating. So, but no, I mean, let's get to the start of it. I mean, it was a really good start. We even before Gabriel's goal, 
it will we started so well jesus had a chance on the edge of the box that just went over and as soon as that happened i was like okay we're ready to play we're we're we are here to play we're we're we're, we're confident and we were getting our wingers in a lot. And like you said about Martinelli, I, would, I thought this was the worst game I'd seen from Martinelli in terms of um, his decision-making and output in, in 18 months. But I still wouldn't have brought him off. And, and, that's, and I thought Trossard was actually quite good when he came on. But I bet their defence went, thank God Martinelli's coming off. It's as bad as he was, I bet they, they went, I thank God he's coming off. And that's where the squad management and maybe what we need off the bench is... It, you know, comes into it a little bit more. But Neil, what was your thoughts on the early parts of the game? And talk about um, Gabriel's goal, which I thought was a wonderfully worked set piece from us um, in terms of sort of playing the offside trap. And um, we are the best team in terms of goals scored from set pieces. People arguing that we don't get as many goals from open play, but not many people mentioning the fact that the reason for that is we also are really flipping effective from set pieces now. Yeah, agreed. We we it's become a bit habitual with Liverpool. We start off quite well with them. It's becoming uh, I think last three, two, three, yeah, three games certainly scoring fifty eight minutes, didn't we? At the Emirates against them, um, and it looked like we could have done the same in this one. And uh, yeah, you're, you're right. We had that chance with Jesus uh, Saka. The ball fell nicely to him, and that was a good ball in. And just unfortunately, just yeah, just just got a deflection. Then it went over and went went for the corner. But yeah, the set piece. I think you're right. That set the tone. I thought, wow, we're we're gonna we're definitely going for this, and and rightly so because at Anfield with the atmosphere, with the clock telling the fans to 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 you know get really behind the team and make loads of noise. Uh, you're you're actually actually completely spot on about that. That's a compliment. We should take that one hundred percent as a compliment because he's scared. He's scared of us. He is scared of us. Certainly scared. So I think that actually plays into our hands. And um, I felt that with that the way we started, that was an exact kind of countermeasure that we could have implored really employed employed into this 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 fiction in terms of strategy. And I thought it was brilliant. And well. Odegaard, what can you say once again? What a what a ball in! What a what a beautiful yes. ball in! Did you find it um, interesting that we? Sorry to interrupt. Did you find it no, interesting no, no. that we were doing the 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 the, the outswingers rather than the inswingers and in a lot of these balls? Because Declan Rice took them from the other side, which which I didn't like because I wanted yeah. him to be in the box. But then we we were doing a lot that was almost like trying to hold up the ball to play the offside trap. But I thought but it won't get talked about because Liverpool's goal was a, was a really fantastic from their point of view. But it was a fantastic set piece, I thought, Neil, from all over. It was beautifully done, yeah. And I think even the way the uh, it, all the, all our line, they, they kind of went back a bit to avoid the, the offside and, of course, almost got called out or they tried to catch us out. That was a surprise, surprising thing. Gabriel was brilliant. That was a commanding header, by the way. It was a commanding other. Sometimes we, British yeah. as our players, like, why are we not at least getting this ball on target with our heads? That was perfect. Um, all our players should always watch that particular goal with the delivery and the execution. If ever we need some coaching on set piece headers, <laughs> it's the yeah. perfect goal. He was so commanding. It, it was, yeah. I mean, it was brilliant. I, I don't know what else to say. It was just well, well, well taken header, and it was a great start. Everyone was like, yes, yes, come on, please, let's do this. Let's finally break the hoodoo and get the win at Anfield. So I couldn't ask for a better start. And um, I, I just, I just, it just makes me feel that that's where we've progressed so much over the years. You know, the fact that we can 
like not only kind of go toe to toe with these teams, doesn't matter what the circumstance, Jack, whether they play, uh, uh, you know, to feet football, whether they play long ball football as Liverpool do, you've got Trent. To be fair, when I was watching some of his highlights, they actually were focused on him really more in that in the, in match of the day, which is a little bit annoying. But you know, they focused on him. His, some of his balls that he was long, you know, the long balls that he was delivering. You've got you've got to say that they're fantastic. They're absolutely spot really. on. But you were right. That's the type of football they play. It is long ball and um, into their wingers. Effective. They're very good at it. They're, they're all runners. They all probably could do track and field, 100-meter runs. Um, but we play, we play football, in my opinion, the way it should be played. To feet, you know, from back to front, to the front of the pitch. Just beautiful to watch, especially when it works. So two very different sides. Um, yeah. And that's what I think you were saying, stop fair, or you might have said it in the way. I can't remember when you said that Man City against Man City is not as pretty because we're very similar and we cancel each other out. And... It's not yeah. as nice to watch, whereas this, it's going to be chaos from Liverpool. It's going to be pretty attractive football from us. And there you go. That's what you get in yeah. that mix. So, yeah, it was, it was, it was pleasant to, to go to the, that one nil up. So I was well chuffed at that point. Yeah, and it was it was borderline. It was definitely onside because um, the defender's knee was keeping Gabriel on onside. But again, I'm watching it and thinking there's no way they're giving this onside. Um, so um, it was nice when she saw the the Lions draw. But 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 I wasn't you know, obviously very excited. But we've been there too many times in the past to know that one nil at four minutes is is not really anything to shout about too much, really. And and it, and it turned out to be the case. I mean, we we didn't. They had a chance on 13th minute, Salah at the side net. And the, the thing is, Neil, this kind of really outlined to me this game that, um, you know, the, the, the best attacking player on the pitch is Salah. The, the, right. The, he is. And, and the goal proves that. I mean, do we have players that can do that? Yeah. Do we have players that can do it as regularly as Mo Salah? We don't. And that's the that's the problem I think we've got. And now it's not a big problem in the sense of, Mo Salah's you know, 30, 31 years of age. He's he's done this for, for, for years. He's, he's probably the best right winger, maybe perhaps even the league scene or certainly in the top three. Um, so it's no, it's no uh, terror. We've got 21 and 22 year olds playing in our wings. But I think the argument over this game and the Villa game, and maybe we've seen it a little bit even in the other games, you know, Newcastle away and stuff like that, is when it's not going right for us on the wing. And I felt though Saka and Martinelli were really involved and a lot of our good things came through then. When they're not firing in front of goal and they were both off in terms of their finishing and their final ball and Martinelli taking too many touches with his head down, um, who do we have that can we can bring on that can provide the same sort of threat? And I think Trossard is a completely different type of threat. And you saw that he was much more controlled on the ball. He, he likes to filter inside. So we don't really have a left winger anymore. There's no width to our play anymore, which works in some games. In this one, I felt, you know, we actually became more controlled when he came on, which was good. But we didn't have that scary outlet when they were perhaps having the ball and we could try to break on them. So our counter attacks kind of go out the window when we lose Martinelli, I think. Um, and I, I think it really outlines that we need, um, we've never got that winger in. We've Ever since the Mudrick bid, you can even go back to the Rafinha bid, we've never, ever got that winger in. We've never got that winger in and we definitely wanted it because we've made 100 million bids. So we wanted it. Um, and we've never really got it in. But Neil, um, 
we touched on our goal. It was, it was really good. We, we didn't hold out for very long, about 20 minutes, um, though I felt we were really controlled in that 20 minutes. And we probably could have had sort of more openings. Um, we'll get to the Martinelli one, which I think came at 1-1, not 1-0. But um, I mean, it's, first of all, their goal is a fantastic goal from their perspective. I mean, from their perspective, they'd be looking at that and going, that is absolutely fantastic. And I, and I would as well. It's a fantastic ball. It's a fantastic finish from Salah. But from our perspective, how do you feel about it? So just before I say that, I forgot to mention uh, also that is the quickest goal we've scored at Anfield in the Prem, by the way. Was it really? I didn't see that. Yeah. That. Yeah. In the Prem, not in top flight football. In the Prem. In the Prem. In the prem it's got the past yeah. seven, was it three? I don't know. Just under four minutes. So under three, but four minutes, yeah, was it? I think it was just yeah. under four. Yeah. Wow. So, um, wow. yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I, I want us to carry on doing it, but you're right. Getting a goal that early early sometimes has its uh, downfalls as well. But mm. If that's one part of our game we've got to sort out. When we take the lead, we've got to take hold of it. And but having said that, don't we have the most wins? We're very, we're very good at it, actually. No, it's just actually, Anfield. <laughs> yeah, I think actually, we're very though, good. Jack, I don't know, I might be wrong with this, and I may have misheard it, but I'm sure I heard that when we have taken the lead from winning positions, we haven't yeah. lost since t- we haven't lost since January 22. Is that right? It Almost might. We do. I mean, I think. Because we've had a couple like Liverpool and then Fulham at home this season where we we yeah. two one up, but but generally speaking, Mikel Arteta is actually I think he's actually very good at seeing out games from a from a from a winning position, winning position. which is it really interesting. But you always remember the ones that you don't as well, and I think mm. at Anfield, like you said, that it's kind of an exception to to the rule in a way, but but yeah. But I don't know, I remember going to Anfield in our peak era when we were the best team yeah. I'd ever seen in the league. And we would go to Anfield and they would be mid-table team. They were mid-table fodder when I was growing up in, in secondary school. And we would go to Anfield and, and we, we sometimes wouldn't get a win anyway. We, we, you know, they had people like Neil Meller and Emil Heskey scoring from 30 yards and stuff like that. They would just <laughs> always show up. Okay, I always, I always believe this, no matter what people say about Liverpool's rivalry I think their biggest game at home in the league is us I, I'm convinced of it I'm convinced they know innately that that is a huge game for them maybe since 89 since you know all of this stuff I think they I think it's way bigger than Man U I think it's way bigger than City I think historically for them and probably for us it's such a massive game for them and I don't think it gets talked about enough but I think it is they, they always have shown up really well against us Anfield, they always show their best game. It's weird, Jack. I agree with you. I, I think for me as well. I think when I talk when I talk about think about rivalries overall in the big picture. So I'm talking about before football. You know, the football did exist before the Prem. By the way, right, of course, yeah, there was. But <laughs> yeah. just, it's, it's just a joke, but it, but it did. I think overall, lucky for Liverpool to be honest. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> talking about. Obviously, the obvious rivalry for us is, is Spurs. Always, you know, it's it's always going to be there. That's going to be the derby, the North London derby, or the London derby, if you like, because we have so many, blooming many of them. That's the other thing we everyone forgets. Man City has about one or two this season. We have yeah. about 20, I think, now. But anyway, it's a different type of topic. I think, even despite Spurs, and of course, I still believe that most incredible rivalry in football was Fergie versus Wenger. I don't care what anyone else says. Fergie, we we there's there will never be anything like it. That was unique. 
that rivalry. So again, in the Prem, Man U, Arsenal, probably, I think James says it a lot, doesn't he? For him, it's the biggest game of the season, no matter how badly or how well Man United are playing. Yeah, yeah. But I think overall, you're right, I think Arsenal-Liverpool is the biggest. Mm. I still believe it. There is something about that fixture. It's massive fixture. It's huge. It's huge. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. Totally agree with Sorry, I completely got off track. There you go. Right. Um, Zinni, I think we both might have mentioned him at the top of the pod. Don't think he can defend. That's the starting point for me. I, I, I don't want to poo-poo on the player. There's a lot about him I like. I think when we're, we're playing possession football, when we're creating, he's fantastic. He can do things. He can turn games. He has had those games, moments where he has actually defended really well. But overall, he's not a left back. He's not that player. We used to even talk about it when there was this debate about him usurping Tierney. A lot of people liked Tierney when he came. A lot of people tied for captain. Were he one of them? You know, uh, and it was there was difficulty thinking. You know, this guy's come in and he's completely just taken over. Poor Tierney's on the sidelines, and now he, well, he's not, no longer a part of the club. Is he? I know he's on loan, but I can't see him ever coming back. But you have to look at it and think: Can he really defend? No. I don't think so. I think I think actually his position would be better when you've got that inversion going with him. You know, that's working. I think uh, it kind of worked very well when Shaq Shaka was in the team. And, you know, you, you've got that format and that, that style of play. But I, I think he struggles, Jack. And I, as you could see it yesterday, it was a complete mismatch with him and Salah, 100%. 100%. You can't fault the ball from Trent. It was actually superb. If we'd one of our players did it, we'd be like salivating. You'd have been pressing a little bit more on the ball, would you say? Yeah, yeah, true. I think so. Yeah. And I think I think if you look at the the goal, I'm not going to completely blame Zinchenko, by the way, because I think, is it Gabriel? Was it Gabriel? He could have probably closed in on him because there was another player in the box, but I think Saliba had him covered. And they were both looking at him. They were both pointing at him. Why didn't one of them, I, in this case, Gabriel, go in tighter, maybe close that route for Salah down? Because you can see what, what he was going to do. Yeah, you knew it was going to do. It's quite a predictable thing. And that's a little bit annoying for me because you remember Pepe, opposition players figured him out. They knew what he was going to do mm. and they stopped that from happening. Even now, Saka, there's always two, now even maybe three players always on him or all over him and stopping him. Even though sometimes, most of them, you know, kick him to the floor anyway. But yeah. why, didn't, why didn't Gabriel just get in closer? That was my thing. So it's easy to completely blame Sinchenko, and I can understand why. But because he had, I think he had a stinker of a game defensively, Jack. I, he did. I think he did. Because it, it wasn't just that, Neil. It wasn't just mm. the goal. I mean, he gave the ball away really dangerous areas oh, in the second half a yeah, couple of times. Yeah. Where, where we were all texting, you know, there's just constant messages from all of us going, what is he doing? Um, giving it, just taking the extra touch in, 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 in his own, in his own area, just taking the extra touch. And, and then the, 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 their biggest chance comes from, I don't know if it's a slip or a miss, uh, communication with Odegaard or whatever oh, it is, but it comes from him as well. Um, and I think it's, I absolutely love Zinchenko, but I, I absolutely agree with you. There has to be a talking point now about what are we going to do in this left back position? Certainly for big away games where we know it's not going to be a game we're in absolute control of all the time. Maybe there's not that many of those games, but there's definitely some of them that we've, we're going to come to because he doesn't trust in Kivior enough. Timber is not going to be back in the near future. Tommy Asu's going off to the Asia Cup. We're not going to see him till February at the earliest if he's fit. Uh, maybe we see him 
or one or two games before them. I don't know, but basically, you know, so there has to be a, a question about what, because we, we've got big games to come. So what we're going to do there, because I absolutely love Zinchenko, but I, I for, absolutely, I, he would not be starting this game if everybody was fit. No way. Absolutely, no way. And there's an argument he wouldn't be starting some of the other games too, but, but I think there's an understanding in some of the other games where we're so dominant that his sort of build up play and progressive passes and things like that, he was still the highest touch player in the game, in the game for us, I think in this game. Um, oh, after Declan Rice, sorry, of course. Um, but it, it's, he's still very influential in a, in a forward way. But you're right. He just he, he he's he, he's not defensive minded. He's just not defensive minded. And when you have got right wingers like that, um, it's it's going to prove to be to be costly, isn't it? And, and 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 it was. It was frustrating. But frustrating more that he didn't feel. Uh, I don't know. At any point in the game, he could change it, which means he doesn't have the trust of anyone else. Like that's a right. kibble, like a kibble, you know. That's right. That's right. No, no, I agree. I think, I think that's 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 the thing. And, and, and look, you were you were making some really, you were chatting some, some putting some really good points across in the um, the WhatsApp group yesterday after the game, post game, and I was saying, but Jack, you can do this pod on your own. You do it, and I, and I mean it. I did mean it. I was that wasn't being sarcastic because you were kind of things that I just hadn't seen. I was too caught up emotionally in the game. The fact that we why didn't we win it? Oh, I'm so angry. Um, and then you, I think you were kind of put your diplomatic and um, pragmatic head on and you were kind of saying, well, look, actually we didn't, it wasn't as bad as it looks if you really think about it, because we were trying to play football. They weren't, they were doing their long ball stuff and their athletics track and field stuff. So I, I kind of looked at that at the match today and I, I felt a lot better afterwards. In fact, they could be saying the same thing. They could be thinking, why have we only got a point out of this? You see? So, oh, I think they are. I, exactly. th- I think they are largely are. I mean, I, I didn't. I've got a lot of Liverpool fans, friends, and stuff like that. And I didn't come across in, in the group like I was delighted with the the draw, but I could tell mm. very much so that they were they were frustrated. But they, they you know, they 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 should have been more. I don't think they were frustrated that they felt they should have won it because that that wouldn't have been right. I don't think they did enough to win it, and you, they yeah. might have argued that we didn't as well. But 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 it, but it, they didn't deserve to win it. And at home for them, you know, they they expect they have a. They didn't win last week against United either at home, did they? This is the first That's time right. they won two in a row at home in a long time. Yeah, I, long had the data time. There. I had the yeah. data on that one somewhere. I'll, I'll get it back back towards me, but it's been a while. since Liverpool failed to win back-to-back Premier League games at Anfield for the first time since October 2021, when mm. they drew with Man City and then Brighton. Uh, so they, Even when they're poor, they're impeccable at home, generally. I mean, they, they really are. So I, I think we're taking all that into account when we go, oh, we haven't won there for so... They, they just are. They're just one of those teams that you go to, and at home they they they, they just are um, a fortress. It, to be honest, it's a bit like us at Highbury in a sense. But but you know, like like especially in the areas that I remember anyway, we were just very very difficult difficult oh, pitch, small pitch. Everyone came there. We knew it better than anyone, and and it was really difficult for anyone to get anything there. You know, and 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 that's just yeah. They've just kind of they've they've got that basically. But I thought I was I was. For the large part, very, very impressed. But I agree with you on Sydney. But the question now is, in the short term, we can't really change it because that's why I was kind of hopeful that he would find the faith in Kivior. And he tried to. He tried to. He played him against Luton away and it didn't work. But what I found quite fascinating about this game was who he actually decided to entrust with any real minutes in the game. And I, I, I correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, but I don't think Kivior came on, did he? 
He didn't, no. right? Which is no. which is a real sign, actually. We didn't make one defensive change in this game. Real sign that we wanted to win that game. We did not make... Well, I don't think they did either, but we didn't make one defensive purposeful change. We didn't even make a Jorginho change. No. We didn't even make a Jorginho change where we thought, oh, you know, we, we kept it exactly as he is, but we wanted fresher legs up top. And that's, a, I think it's a real sign, isn't it? When people say, oh, you know, oh, almost, I saw some one report that said it almost got away from Arsenal. And I was like, when you watch the game in the last 20 minutes after Trent hit the bar, the, there was only one team that was going to, in my opinion, score the winner there. That Because we were, we were in control of that game after that moment. And even Klopp alluded to it. He said, we really had them at the start of the second half. I felt we were really going somewhere, but it shows how good they are because they regained control of it. And, and he doesn't say things like that. Um, so he was very complimentary of, of us and I've not really seen him be that. He was he even looked like First he was time. to a terror at the yes. end of the game. Yeah, which was, which was, I mean, you know, you take what Almost it is. respectful, I think, Jack. Yeah, which was nice. I mean, I think Arteta was the same, which was nice because yeah. I think they've had, um, you know, some some problems in the past. And I don't particularly, you know, big fan of Klopp or anything like that. But it's always nice to see two teams that went for the game, tried to win it, and they kind of have this mutual respect. It's like two boxers in the, you know, in the 12th round kind of thing, you know. And I kind of looked at that when you don't see that that often, you you know, you don't you don't see that, that often. So I, I kind of had a little smile at that and kind of moved on from it. But uh, Neil, we've, we talked about Zinchenko. I think we can't. I mean, I, I'd like to see him find faith in Kivior, but I don't think. I don't think I can't see the opening yet. And this is the time, but I can't see it. What I'd like to see him is is at least bring him on at, at points in games where he feels he can provide us more defensive coverage. Maybe no. Hopefully, if we're up in 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 our next game. Maybe we do see that at, at the 70th. Do you know what I mean? Where where we believes in him, and I think that could be really important because that's how Tommy Asu made his way back into the team. He started getting belief. Being, yeah, he, we were like, bring Tommy out. He was like the 12th man, yes. wasn't he? And Kivior needs to become that. And I don't think uh, Kivior's got to be committed to that. Tommy Asu was so committed to any minute that he got on the pitch, and, and I'm not sure where Kivior is with that. But we need to find that player because we don't have enough defensive numbers anyway. No, and, and we need no. him because Zinchenko is not a 90 minute player at the very least he's definitely no. not so but yeah frustrated I think I, I don't think long term I, I don't see Zinchenko being there um, in terms no. of the start the starter at left back for a long period of time now yeah you you lads make great points about the fact that he um, Arteta's issue is it's, it's almost like a trust issue with some of those uh, bench or squad players you know he could have made you know Nelson same thing doesn't happen he just doesn't seem to you know, you're talking about this winger position that we've never kind of fulfilled as backup to Saka or even even on the other side. But, well, we've got Trossard, I suppose. Um, but you, you just feel that he hasn't addressed that. But we've got Nelson. He signed a four-year contract. What for? We talked about this on the last with the pod before, didn't we? What what was that signing contra- contractually? What was the reason for it if you're never going to use him? Um, so I think it's the same with Kiwior. You, you hit the nail on the head that does he actually trust him enough to bring him on? And he should. I see a really good player in Kiwi. I don't know. I think you do as well, Jack. Um, yeah, maybe, like, maybe he sees it, but hmm. maybe he doesn't see it at left back where we really need him. Maybe he sees it at okay. centre back where he played last season towards the end of last season. Remember we went to Newcastle away, he had a good oh, game. Yeah, of course. I, I don't know, Neil, but, maybe, but that, that's not right now where we need it. We need it. Mm-hmm. At, at fullback, we don't have yeah, any coverage true. on either side of fullback, and I, I didn't particularly think Ben White had a great game. Though mm. you, you have to watch it and think Diaz didn't really do too much, so you've got to give Ben White some credit because he is 
Correct. He's a dangerous player. Diaz, he came off. I don't came off with a little knock, but I think he was coming off anyway in about the 60, maybe 65th minute. So oh, yeah. uh, I think Ben White deserves certainly some credit there. I feel Ben White is an unsung hero. He does his business quietly. He's, oh, he's not one of these standout players, Jay. He's not like, for me, Saliba, you watch Saliba and think, oh my God, it's just unbelievable. Unbelievable. What he does is just ridiculous. Even the commentators were like drooling over him. It's like, my God, this player. But Ben White kind of does his work quietly. It's almost unnoticed. I don't think it's a stupid thing to say because we can all see what every player is doing. I know we can. But it's just the attention isn't there. He doesn't, it's almost weird. He doesn't draw attention on himself, if that makes sense. So maybe we kind of miss a lot of what he does. But I think I still agree with what you talked about last part about his fatigue issue. That that potentially could be an issue, a worry or a concern. I think there's actually, scarily enough, look, I'm, I'm a contradiction. On one hand, I'm talking, thinking about, in some ways, I feel we're quite frail again because if we lose two or three players in key positions, it can derail the whole season again. And one of them, you know, is is Rice. Rice again. He was is, fantastic. Is ridiculous. He got the numbers in. I think eighty-seven percent passing accuracy. Everything he does is it's like Midas. Everything he touches turns to gold. Yeah, he's incredible. You know that twenty-minute spell you were talking about that we actually took control after Trent's. Miss or hit, yeah. the, hit when he hit the bar. A lot of that was down to Rice Jack. Getting off from what yeah. I saw. You know, what a player. You know, you can't. But then at the same time, I think if something happens to him, where does that leave us? If something happens to Saliba again, where does that leave us? You know, there's question marks. I think we've got to dip in. I know it's not going to all happen in January, but I think next summer is a big summer again for signings. I think we've really we've got to dip into the market. I've already got, got my player, yeah. Yeah. I don't know, you have Jay. <laughs> honestly, I have. I've been yeah. thinking a lot. Well, you as it's coming to January, to oh, mate, I'm fascinated yeah, I know by you it. did love that. Um, I'm fascinated I, my by worry it. is that, my worry is that, I think, and I'm saying that as and I don't know why I'm answering I'm a contradiction. It's because at the same time, then I say, well, we're not even out of fourth, third year, I think, this season, but we're top. Yeah. What, what, what do you say? What can you say yeah. to that? Yeah, and uh, I always try. I mean, Liverpool. I know they'll make the argument that we don't even. You know, they've got injury too. And we, we don't. We're going to go. They think they're going to go big in January for you know the the Saicedo type signing that they didn't get. Um, so they think you know that they're, they're, they're going to be really strong in the second half of the season too. And I think they've got and they don't. They're not in Europe really, or they're not in the Champions League. So it's you know we know the Europa League's not quite the same. So in terms of you're able to rotate a lot more. So they'll look at it from that perspective too. But I agree with you there. I mean, we're not, and I, I don't really feel like our forward players are, are, are truly firing, certainly not, you know, to the numbers and the extent they were last season, despite the fact they're now starting to play together. We're still seeing some, you know, inconsistent um, performances, I think, in terms of output from our from our forward players, which is why uh, more and more you watch these games, you, you think, can we make one move in attacking areas to really boost the... The, the collective and increase the competition up there because it's, 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 it's we've got to get more numbers from there. You know, we're creating enough. We're in the positions enough. We've, we should be scoring more, I think. Um, and, and same with this game. I just felt we were in their final third a lot. And at times we just didn't get the shots off that we should. A big chance, Neil, in the, just before we get to the 41st minute chance for Martinelli, which was the biggest chance for us other than the goal in the first half. Um, they lost Schmikas to, um, to a, looks like a collarbone fracture. A lot of criticism coming in for for some of our players, but a couple of things that happened before that was there was the Odegaard handballs. So we'll go to the ref stuff a little bit, and and 
the Shimikes, um collarbone fracture, which he immediately went off for, and then Saka was coming in. I do want to say just before I do, um, all of these instances are caused by slips on the pitch. They're all caused by slippage on the pitch. And I said to you offline that I think purposely, because I'm almost certain I remember this last season as well when we were there, I think they heavily water the pitch, Liverpool, before they play us. Maybe they do it in other games too, but specifically when we play them, it looks like it's an ice rink. I think they heavily water the pitch because they play on chaos and they want the speed of the game to be faster. Whereas as much as we play through the thirds, we're not really as concerned with that because we're all about control and domination of the ball and and suffocating other teams with the way we possess the ball. They are all about mistakes and errors and pouncing on them and getting the ball high and wide and fast and track and field team, boom, 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 like that. And I think it majorly backfired against them because in my opinion, all of these instances were not given, you know, as you know, fouls or whatever they should have been or, or penalties because of slips that led to things that actually were the correct decisions in the end. But what were your thoughts on, on the penalties instant, the the coming together with Saka, Klopp, Shmikas? What were your thoughts? They were absolutely spot on. There were there was I can easily count four, which is still strong in my memory. You've got the obviously the, the penalty penalty decision. Uh I was certain, so certain it was going to be given, very much like Gabriel's goal was going to get ruled offside. And I thought, that's it, we're fit, we're done. That's it. And I, I was worried, not even just for the penalty, I was thinking, is he going to get sent? Could he potentially get a card? And I don't know whether he was already on his, was he on a yellow? I can't remember now. But it, uh, but I thought, is he going to get carded for this? Is he going to get even sent off for this? I was like panicking, oh my God, oh my God. If, if, if it's deemed to be a completely deliberate handball, oh no, this, this is. This is bad news. Um, then you had, so you had that incident. I think I I looked at it and I thought every single pundit, every single commentator, definite penalty. Some even in one of the angles I saw it, I was thinking, oh, I think we're a bit lucky here. It's a lucky boy. But again, it's that thing, time, isn't it? It's that wonderful thing about time. And you look at it again after a little while, you've calmed down. I think there is a massive argument to say that. How, where else, how else is he going to steady himself when he's falling? Because one of the, I think it was Shearer, was it, I can't remember who it was. He said he didn't even use the floor with his hand to balance himself. So how can you say it's because he's trying to balance himself while he's falling? But when you're falling, you already put automatic place your hand it. in that position. To, to, to it doesn't matter if it acts as, yeah, of it course doesn't, it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't matter whether you actually don't fall or your hand doesn't touch the floor. It's about the motion that your hand's going in. So I looked at it and I thought, it's the right decision, but I can't believe it was in our favour. Mm-hmm. Did you see? Because yeah. so many have been given against us. So that yeah. was down to your slippage thing, which I think, you've mentioned this before, Jack, this isn't the first time. I think you might have mentioned it a few years ago. You've, I think you've always said that they water the pitch before we play or it anyone inc- plays. I thought it was incredible. Second half especially, yeah. everyone yeah. was falling. Everyone. Over. You had that. It's dangerous, had, Neil. Oh, oh, yeah! It could. It's really dangerous. Well, it has. It's made. It's got there their player go. in the hospital, and he go. could be out for a while now with a broken collarbone. He could be out for a long, long time. So it's it's backfired on them. So you had that incident again. That was Saka slipping. To be fair to the commentators, I think they said that they said there's nothing in that. Oh, that's very good. much like, the, and very much like the other one where he was involved. Was that in the second half? Yeah, I can't remember. In the middle of the park, where completely he, slipped. 
And 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 whilst all the Liverpool fans obviously well they would, we would probably as Arsenal fans we would be the same reaction. Yeah. But the commentators actually said there's nothing in that. That's a complete slip. He goes, it's his slipped and he, it, it, that's not that's not a foul. And you know, it, that was that one. Then you had the um Martinelli miss chance, which I'm sorry if, you, again. If, I, if I'm going ahead a little bit, but it was a slip. You know, everyone's talking about even me that his finishing wasn't on point, his decision making wasn't on point, taking too long on the ball. You said he's having his head down a bit more, maybe not looking around enough. Decision making wise, he was poor. But that particular one where Saka had the chance, but then it was laid off to Martinelli, he slipped. Yep. So he's lost control. He's already he's already out of control. So you put, and to be honest, even doing that, if you if you look at it again, that actually wasn't a bad effort after all that. If you think about it, it wasn't that far off when it when it went. Like from what I saw, the angle I saw it at anyway. So you know, slippage again, another slippage, and then of course the incident with with the player getting injured. Hilarious. Klopp went flying. That was great to see. Outside his technical area, by the way. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But that, no, that's fine though. He's allowed. He's Klopp. No problem. Klopp, he's gone. You know, no, no problem, problem at all. But if it stands was to... literally next to the fourth official for eighty minutes of the game, oh, by the way. Come on, come not on, a mention Jack. Of it. Not a mention of it. It's not, not none of the commentators did either. None of them. You're not, not going to get it, are you? You're not going to get it. But Arteta, yeah, different story. Exactly, and I don't, I, I, I don't mind the stand outside. The, obviously, Arteta does it all the time. I'm not like he doesn't, but he doesn't stand next to fourth official for eighty minutes, shouting in his ear, uh, which I don't know what he's shouting about in the game, to be honest. So he's moaning about everything, and I'm like, well, I'm not understanding it because you've got a lot of decisions going your way here as well. But um, on the, 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 a lot of their players were asking for stuff from Saka, which I found pretty ludicrous as well. I'm like, you know, he slipped. You know, he slipped. You've, you're not stupid, especially on the second one. They knew he slipped. On the first one, it was a little bit harder to see. I'll be honest with you, Neil. It seems like a very a subjective view from an Arsenal fan. I don't think it's a foul at the first one. I don't. I think anywhere else on that pitch, and Saka is away, by the way. He's gone. He's gone because he's stronger than Simicaz. He's gone. He is gone, and no one near him. And I'm watching it. And from the back, it looks like, but when you actually watch it, he just is stronger. He's just stronger. And what makes it a foul is the fact that his foot slips, which is really annoying because it's not a foul really before that. Foot slips, it looks like he kind of leads into him, but he doesn't really. He's stronger. He's just stronger. And he goes over, lands on his shoulder and glides right through Jurgen Klopp's legs, who's about half a yard from, from the, from the throwing line, sideline. And I just found that kind of ironic, the fact Jack, that... you're right. You know why? Why? You know, he, he was interviewed. I don't know whether you saw it afterwards by Sky. And they asked him about it. You know what he said? He goes, I was firing forward. I didn't even have time to look back because I was, my mindset was all with that, you yeah. know, to go towards goal. Because I didn't, I didn't even see the clock incident. I didn't even see him falling. He goes, because I was just focused on getting the ball and driving forward with it. So you saying that is something I didn't think of. And I didn't, as I said, you, you comment with some good stuff about this game. Absolutely ties in with what he said in, in, in his interview. Yeah. That, you know, it wasn't about him fouling or anything or any intention. He was just driving forward with the ball. And he was going, he was so focused. He hasn't got time to look back and see what's happened. Yeah. So completely correct. Yeah. Yeah, I just felt, I, 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 I don't think it's because some of their players were slipping too. It wasn't creating as big a sort of talking points um, necessarily. Yeah. But I, I think the ref, 
the, the biggest issue I had with the ref in this game, and people might say, yeah, you're seeing it from an Arsenal perspective, was I, I felt it was quite shocking that both teams had about the same amount of fouls, but we somehow ended up with five yellow cards and they ended up with two. And I, I think, to be honest, when you watch it back, it's minor. We should move on from the ref. But um, I found the Havertz one extremely harsh. Um, I think it's, it's if it's a foul, it's a foul. It's a, if it's a booking, I found it incredibly harsh. And I felt the biggest thing the ref did wrong in this game was he reacted reacted to our booking, to our fouls to create bookings on their breakaways, and he never did the same for them. And I thought Endo got away with it. I actually don't think he should have been on the pitch. He had so many little fouls. It says only two, but he had way more that either didn't get given or we allowed advantage to, and he never came back to. Because I remember watching it going, I don't know how how he hasn't been called back there and he's already on a booking. I remember saying that a couple of times. And the other one was um, there, there was an incident with Salah when Eddie, Eddie was through. He makes a foul. He kicks the ball 10 yards away and then he starts swearing at the ref and he gets booked for the swearing but I found it really interesting that he booked him for the swearing but he made a foul and kicked the ball away before it and that's very Diego Dalla and Martinelli style double yellow right there now I don't agree with any of that but it's one rule for one Liverpool got away with it last week because Nunes did it last week against uh against Man U in the same game and Dallo gets it for nothing really um for calling out an incorrect decision. So when Liverpool fans, I had a Liverpool fan going to me, oh, what are you going to say about the, uh, you know, the, the corruptness about referees now after you've got that handball decision your way? And I went, let's wait till the end of the game, shall we? Because I, I bet you I'm going to have a little few comments for you because I guarantee you there's some stuff I'll be having to say. And there, and there was, and I, but I do think it's micro. I think the ref overall on the big decisions, to be honest, I think the Odegaard one was correct. I know when you look at it, but the way he slipped, where is he supposed to put his hands? Where exactly is he supposed to, And just because his hand on the floor, he doesn't know. He's just trying to catch his balance. It's, it's like a snowboarder who slips. They don't fall on their ass, but they put their hands out in case they do. Same no thing. one's seeing that, though. No, no one's, one's seeing, seeing that. No, they're just seeing the hand go down in an awkward position, but they don't see the slip of the foot half a second before it. I don't think that. I don't think the Havertz one is a, is a penalty either. He doesn't get it. I don't think there's enough in it, though. I think you know. I don't think he dives. I don't, some people tell me he no. didn't dive. There's a. There's definitely contact, and. Um, Van Dyke had a handball in the second half as well. I don't think that's one. So I think he got the big calls correct. The offside, I thought it was correct. We got we got the goal, and uh, and I, I think he got the big calls correct, which is really rare at Anfield. I mean, and massively rare, massively rare. So we'll take that and, and we'll move on from the ref stuff. But second half, um, Neil, we we had a really dodgy period. And Mikel Arteta said it. He said. Um, I have the quote here. He said, um, in the first, in, basically, I just felt like we were giving the ball away. He said, at the start of the second half, we gave so many balls away after regaining it. That's the worst moment to do that versus them. We lost the ball in areas that prohibited them, uh, prohibited us, us against them. But I think we generated some washing machine like moments that they didn't like. I think that actually came a little bit later in the second half, to be honest. But in that first 15, I mean, I, I mean, you, me, we, we were just giving the ball away really stupidly, Neil, and they, we were lucky they didn't capitalize, weren't we? I think it's the work, most sloppy, scrappy period of play I've seen from us in about two years. I mean, uh, I know we've had some bad games, but nothing like that. I, th- I, I was, I was literally saying that's the worst I've seen us play collectively. I mean, yeah, you, you, you defensively, I still think we were great uh, in terms of Saliba, Gabriel, and Rice, magnificent. Yeah, they were. But generally, but generally, our play was just goddamn awful. Sorry to say, it was so sloppy. And I thought, how have they not got taken proper advantage of that? So we were lucky that they didn't 
And that, again, see, that's another part of the argument to say that why are we disappointed on not getting the win? Because actually, they should be more upset. We've had a, such a horrible passage of play there. I think we stunk the place out. Yeah. I think that's a word that J- James uses a lot. We actually stunk the place out. We, we, we were so bad. I only saw this game going one way, Jack. And I thought, we brought it on ourselves. We've done it again. We've taken the lead against them. What are we doing? Why are we yeah. doing it? And I was thinking, there goes our record of almost, you know, two years of taking the lead and not not losing. Yeah, and Mike was saying we've lost our heads. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So I, I don't know what else to say on it. I don't know what the reason was. I don't know whether we, we just, I thought going in at half time, I thought Arteta would speak to them. Get get just get calm, calm, calm all the lads down. You know, because it was a very frenetic game. It, as you said, it was a good, good one for the neutrals to watch. There was some. It was a very interesting, intensive game. I didn't quite agree with Arteta as he said he thinks it's the most amazing game you've seen in God knows how many years. I didn't quite agree, agree with that. I think we've had some bells of games. I think he said it was intense. the most intense and hectic game. I think there's something hectic. like oh, that. Oh, okay, maybe. All right, maybe. But, but, but yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Because I thought that passage of play that almost like you know tainted it because it was yeah. so bad from us. It really was. It really was. Everyone, yeah. the, we were just we were just losing the ball. We, we couldn't even we, we couldn't even find a pass. It was so bad. Yeah, they were getting so Joe sloppy. Gomez in areas, weren't they? Yeah, and oh yeah, and that's what I'm saying. I think I said it on the WhatsApp didn't I, during the game. We're making him look like a world champion. He's never even scored for them before, and he had two chances, didn't he, or something? Um, so we were lucky as well. He had two chances, yeah. but I have to say one thing. Apart from the three other players which I just mentioned, Bryce, Lieber and Gabriel, it's the first time I said this to you. I've not been fully on board with the Raya thing because obviously I've got a lot of time for Ramsdale. And of course, you know, the, the, the mirror fixture, he did some two great saves to actually keep us at a draw last season. Oh, he did fantastic there, Ramsdale, yeah. Um, but I have to say, for me, this was the most comfortable I felt with Raya. I thought he was in absolute utter control throughout the whole game. You know, he was catching the ball with any crosses. That I think that was the best thing that he did, actually, in terms of yeah. his claiming. He was really good. Claiming, yeah. Sorry, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, he was doing his really good there. were terrific. I thought he just looked in absolute control. I, I, you know, I didn't see any of the uh, the nerves or the flow. And I think, actually, if you if you want to take some good stuff that's come out of this game, Jack, that might be one of them. Because I think I think... He has. He's probably had a bit of nerves, of course. You know, you know you're, it's a new season for a new team. You're you're out, ousting another goalkeeper, which most teams would would keep as their number one. So it's a big thing on his shoulders as well. And I and although he comes across very well when he when he's spoken to, you know, he takes it all in his stride. I think there has been a few nerves from him uh, recently. This is how I see it. By the way, I'm not saying I'm right. This is how I see it. But this game, I thought he played very well. I thought he was in control. I thought he looked calm. He looked assured. You know, even you know, you know, you have those moments where the ball's played back and the goalkeeper's got to try and clear it and he's going to kick it out. In past games, I would have been, I would have been, oh my god, oh my god, what's he going to do? What's he going to don't don't mess this up? He was clearing them perfectly. It was it was just everything about him. I thought was was fine. Yeah. So I I felt comfortable. So that's one takeaway from me from this game is him, bizarrely or not. And a lot of people maybe might not even think about the goalkeeper, mm. but I thought yeah. you've done very well yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah, and in front of them, obviously Saliba got man of the match. A lot of people were calling oh. it the sort of the game of the centre backs because, and I think that's fair. I mean, they do have re- two really top centre backs on their end as well, and in Van Dijk, obviously we know how, how good he is, and 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 Kenyatta is a, a really good centre back for them as well. Who kind of I just felt in their fullback position, you know, they lost Simicaz. They had Gomez. Oh, I think Gomez is a, is, a, is a good defender, actually. You know, he's kind of one of those versatile defenders, a bit like Tommy Asu that we've got, the unsung hero for him a little bit at times. And then obviously they had Trent, but I just felt there was so much space. Trent vacates his space even more than Zinchenko. And um, I just felt we didn't take full take advantage. advantage. I mean, Gabriel Martinelli he was only on the pitch for 67 minutes, but he had, you know, well, he only had 34 touches. But I found what found really interesting. Yeah, I just think we didn't take full advantage. There was times where Saka was getting to the byline, crossing the ball into the six-yard box, just like Brian, and no one attacking the six-yard box. It's, we do it so many times, and we just don't attack it. And I'd I really be looking to Jesus and Havertz at those times where I'm like, those are the positions you've got to be getting into, you know. Um, I really do feel that. But it was a game of, of the centre-backs. Sleeper was this amazing that Gabriel got a goal, shut down Salah whenever he came towards him. It was fantastic. But you're still talking about William Sleeper. And I think they're just, they're a great partnership, aren't they? But William Sleeper gets the plaudits once again. But he gets it because he's just so smooth with everything he does. And, you know, he, he doesn't really make, he, he, everyone makes errors, but he doesn't really make many errors at all. And in this game, he was almost foot perfect, I think. He deserved the man of the match award. I mean, for me, you know, I think there's an argument Liverpool fans will certainly say after what he's done and what he's achieved, Van Dijk is the best defender in the Prem. But with a 22-year-old like this, it's it's unbelievable what we have in William Sleeper, really. And, and he is absolutely vital to any success we're going to have, isn't he? No doubt, it's because of his 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 omission uh, for injury last season. I like, did derail last season. I'm gonna, I'm never going to say otherwise. I don't care. I don't care. People say, yeah, but we became predictable and people teams started stuff. So no, defect. You still, you still. All right. Even if you start dipping a little bit up front, right, you still have a defensive unit which can stop. Uh, you know, from t- stop the opposition scoring. We lost Liber and Tommy Asu. And that most Rob Holding we went to Anfield with Rob Holding he can't even get on the bench for Palace correct so you know actually and then if you think about it we did quite well for 45 minutes of that game it's quite incredible but it it is you know but I I, I think him and Rice and you know what the Gabriel thing you're right it reminds me a little about a little bit of the Petit Vieira midfield partnership all eyes were on Vieira, but a lot of what he was able to do was because of Emmanuel Petit. And you could kind of kind of say that about Gabriel and Saliba. You're right. Saliba's the one that gets all the attention, but he's such. But Gabriel is such a good foil for him that he's a, he's allowed to do a lot of what he can do because there's Gabriel doing a lot of the graft that you might not really might not be as attractive. Saliba's just elegant, isn't he? That's why. Your attention is fixated on him because when he's in when he's in a potentially horrific position where you think that's it, he's going to lose out on this. The way he collects himself, you just feel now that every time he's got the ball, he can't do anything wrong with it. I think him and Rice are very similar like that. But but I'm still going to say how amazing and how lucky we are to have Declan Rice. My goodness me, he's turning out to be. I think arguably at the moment, Jack, and with good argument, one of the players of, of the Prem. Yeah. You know, everyone talks about forwards all the time and they're the ones that get all the attention, but Teclan Rice, there is not one team 
let alone the Prem, but in Europe, that wouldn't have him, in my opinion. Yeah, no, he was fantastic. And I think in that last 20 minutes, I think Trent's chance, um, again, caused by possibly a slip from, from Zinchenko, though. You have to ask yourself why we're so open there at that point. I mean, I know we're on the attack. I know we're going from it from a set piece. I think it comes from, um, but little mix up between Zinchenko and Odegaard and suddenly we're four on one. I think, I mean, Arteta has got to be asking himself some questions, asking the team, what are you doing? How have we got to that position exactly? And um, Declan Rice does great to hold his position. I don't think he does a, a, a ton, to, but he slows them. He slows them. Um, but in the end, we, we, you know, the bar hands us a little bit of luck. Like, you know, hopefully, like it did <laughs> there's a great, there's a great thing going around. I don't think you, something that you probably were. It's not, to do with Game of Thrones, John, isn't it? Yeah, Jay, John. Uh, uh, what's his name? John Snow. I think his name is. Always very very slow in, the, in that show, and he's like just on his own, and his whole army's approaching him. And do you know what? It's absolutely perfect. Yeah, it's spot on. It's brilliant. Brilliant, brilliant. No, well, I mean, it, it was. I mean, trust Declan Rice to be in the right position. But again, done a couple of games, a couple of times in this game. Just it was a point where we just overcommitted, um, which which is again a sign of how much we wanted to win the game. But um, just going back to Gabriel, I mean, since he scored his first goal on his debut, I think it was away at Fulham um, at the start of the twenty. 20- 20 to 21 season he scored more goals in the Premier League than any other defender 11 oh wow I didn't know that yeah which is very interesting so and and this is first goal of the season but he he can be so deadly from set pieces Gabriel I mean that is one thing I would say even above Saliba he has really got the ability I know Saliba got some goals last season but really got the ability to be a real threat um, from set pieces, Gabriel airily. I mean, he really does, and I think they they do too. Liverpool. I mean, Van Dijk. We've seen it this season already, and 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 they 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 have the ability to do that too. But I think we've got two centre backs that can really be a threat from set pieces, which 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 we hopefully we can continue to take advantage of. But after the seventy second minute, you know, we we made the change. They make a, like a triple change, but we made the change to um to the team we brought Trossard on for Martinelli Eddie on who I thought was really lively for Jesus I thought he came on and he held the ball up well and he, he provided us an outlet and he won a few free kicks and did his little clumsy part where he made a few fouls but 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 overall I thought he, he kind of did what we wanted him to do and I did feel in the last 15 to be honest Neil where you know remember the last 15 they created like 3xG last season in the last 15 it was it was you know, it was very controlled from us in the last 15. I have to say, I feel Odegaard's not really got, he's got he's the highest rated player out of the whole game on who scored um, in terms of the rating. I felt, he, I felt he was actually very good on the ball. He lost the ball once in the early in the second half and they, and they could have scored from it, Liverpool. But other than that, I felt Odegaard was, was, a, was a really good player coming deep for the ball, winning the ball, playing us out. I thought he was, he was really good. He got a bit of criticism after this game from some Arsenal fans and I, I didn't really, I didn't really think the game reflected that. I thought he was pretty good Odegaard in the midfield, um, to be honest. And I, I felt, if anything, I would like to have seen Havertz on the ball a little bit more. We saw, actually, in the last 15, right. Havertz come into the game a little bit more. He had a half chance, which he skewed. He should have had a better yeah. strike on that. And, he, you know, he obviously had the penalty shout and he was getting into some positions, but I just felt he was on the fringes a little bit too much for me, Havertz, for this one. But Odegaard was, I mean, he had 41 touches, touches Havertz and Odegaard had 86 so or 84. So that there's your difference in terms of involvement and I know we expect that to a degree but I think this is the sort of game where I'd like to see Havertz thrive a little bit more because he's you know it's a physical game and it's an end-to-end game and that's where I feel he can provide us a little bit more as we've seen in some of these games and I I didn't feel we really did that but I do think Odegaard 
you know, a lot of our creativity obviously creates the goal, but a lot of our sort of build-up play and progressive stuff comes through him. And I think he's been really good in the last couple of games, actually, because I thought he was the man of the match against Brian as well. Um, but but I thought it was fantastic. But how did you feel sort of the closing stages? I know we didn't score and we didn't have a ton of chances as such. We had a few half chances um, there. Trossard had one too. But how did you feel? I mean, I felt very relaxed in the last 15 minutes of the game and um, I don't remember being that relaxed in the last 15 minutes of a game at Anfield for a while I'll, I'll keep it brief I, I, I agree with ex- exactly everything you said there was only one team that could win it in the last 15 and that surprised me that absolutely surprised me I thought that they would be wanting to go for, for the jugular and get the win at Anfield but no we, we, we just took back control and I think a lot of it is down to Rice so I mentioned it earlier I really do believe he was instrumental. He was just winning everything. He was controlling everything. His passing was absolutely bang on. I think he might have made one error in his passing. One, if that, he had an 87% pass accuracy. And I think he was, he was in terms of stats, he was up there at the top of the Arsenal lot, uh, all our players. And um, yeah, I, and, and I also agree with the thing you said about Havertz. I respecting a lot more for him only because he seems to have come on a, a rich vein of form. And I thought, what a time to do it leading up to this game. Because you're absolutely right. He's physical, he's strong. And I just think, why wasn't he more involved in this game? He should have been. Um, but it is what it is. And I hope that doesn't dent his confidence. And I hope, you know, he comes back strong in the next game. So there's that. Uh, I, I, I don't know what else to say. I think, I think everything you've said on offline and today on the pod, I think you've summed it up, but I, I, I thought there was only one team that could actually win it in the last 15, which surprised me, pleasantly surprised me, of course, but surprised me, especially after the way we were absolutely rubbish in the first half of that second half. We were so bad. In fact, we completely turned it around. Shouldn't we take encouragement from that at least? No matter what, whatever thoughts or criticism we may have of the game, should we not at least take encouragement that we were able to turn it around, turn it on its head, and actually regain control to such an extent that actually we, it would have been fair to have only one winner in the game. That would have been us in the last, if you take the last 15, 20 minutes into isolation. But we were great. Yeah. We were going forward. We started creating stuff. We, we were stopping them from doing anything that they wanted to do. I just thought we were the better team. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the stat, the, there's really nothing in the stats, but um, but yeah, I did. I, in the last 15, I really did. I felt we were really trying. They wanted to hit us on the break and you could see that, but we were so controlled in our possession in that last 15 minutes. I'd love to see the stats on how much of the ball we had really in that last 15, but I don't think I can break it down to that. But but well, I, I thought we were we, we were pretty good and I thought the subs kind of worked for what Arteta wanted. I would like to have seen Havertz maybe even pushed up higher and maybe bring in Trossard into the eight or something like that. But but he, he didn't... What, not frustration, but it shows who he really has faith in sometimes in these big games. And it, it shows sometimes that he's obviously, he, he did mention at the end of the game though, he felt, and it doesn't get talked about a lot. I see a lot of discussion about other teams, injuries, Man United, Liverpool's, Tottenham's, but Mikel Arteta made a good point in the end of the game. He said, look, we've had five really big injuries this season already and he went and the way the team has coped with it is fantastic and I and I completely agree with that I mean and, and there's been smaller injuries in there too Saka Odegaard been out for three four weeks and Martinelli was out three four weeks and 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 Trossard as well and they're not even included with the likes of the big ones like Timber and Tommy Asu and and Party. I mean here we are sitting here um 
party had played about 82% or just under 80, just 80% of our games last season. He's played about seven this season, 7%. Wow. Do you know what I mean? So, and he was so important, so critical to everything that we did last season. And, and he, and we're sitting here, not to touch wood, not really missing him you know obviously yeah, understanding his qualities but i think that shows you know and it doesn't get spoken about it doesn't get talked about enough we you know the discussion point on you know rodri missing three games through suspension is 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 discussed hugely for manchester city but our rodri <laughs> last season was was thomas party i mean he was being at this point in the last season there was there was only one winner it was thomas party was was the better player than than rodri you know and and he's not he's not kicked a ball barely for us this season <laughs> Amazing. So I just think, you know, Arteta's right. The team deserves some credit. We're not done anything yet, but we deserve some credit for where we're at. And, 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 you know, we move on to the next one. But, Neil, I think it's a great game, really interesting game to, to discuss. I, I think we've discussed all the sort of tactical points, maybe the sort of refereeing points as well. Um, there was one other player that I wanted to touch on and I'm completely blind. Oh, oh, what I found really interesting, what highlighted our centre backs was um, they had Gakpo, a central striker. They brought him off at 50th minute and brought on Nunes around that time as well. And Gakpo and Nunes collectively had less touches than Gabriel Jesus, who played about 60 minutes himself. Gakpo had 22, Nunes had 14. So I think it just shows how much our centre-backs shut down their striking options and you know, Liverpool, Liverpool fans after it will claim you know oh, Gakpo's this that and the other before the game they're, you know, they're going on and on about Nunes and the options but I'll be honest Gakpo. I didn't even hear his name mentioned in the game I didn't know he was playing I didn't know Gakpo was there and, and, and honestly I, I trust in other fans to, to tell me what the best thing and a lot of their fans were saying you know I really hope he doesn't start Nunes I hope he starts Gakpo centrally da, da, da. that's what I was getting from a lot of Liverpool fans and they did do he did do that he started and I, I agree I think it was completely anonymous and then when Nunes come on he was kind of filtering out left a little bit but I, th- I thought we handled him really well and he's, he's tricky and his pace is really absolutely he's, very, he's a very involved player a bit like Jesus to that extent he would scare uh, most defences he would scare most managers he would scare yeah. most opposition I mean I was kind of happy that he wasn't starting and they started Gakpo to be honest yeah. because I've, I've watched Gakpo enough and I thought we can handle <clears throat> Gakpo a lot better so and we and we did but we handled both really really well and and I, th- I thought that was that was impressive and they'll say maybe they did the same with Jesus but I didn't I didn't think Jesus had a terrible game as such but he, he couldn't really get involved in the areas that we wanted him to which was a little bit frustrating but Neil, um, the two questions I have before we go is uh, we've lost Havertz for a game suspension. I yeah. mean, it was always coming, I guess, because he had four yellows. I think it's a ridiculous yellow to give him, but we've had, you know, we've had yellows for waving in the technical area, so I can't complain too much. Um, but who would you bring? We've got West Ham next. They're, they're, you know, doing really well in the league. I think they've got the highest points total in, in, in some time in the Premier League at this point. They've got some really dangerous players. So who would you start in the left eight position? I would say there's three options off the top of my head. There's Jorginho, which would mean starting Rice in the position. Trossard, which we've seen a couple of times this season. And then Smith Rowe. Who would you start out of those three? I will. Pro- I think Arteta will either go, I think, it, I think he'll go Trossard, personally. Possibly Jorginho. Right, yeah. but I think more so Trossard. But who I'd like to see is Emma Smith Rowe. It won't happen, not from the yeah. stump from the get go. Anyway, I think it will be one of Trossard or Jorginho. Do you know what? I I'm not worried about this one. I in fact I think if if he was going to get suspended anyway because he had four, this is probably the game to miss. And I say that because I'm really confident that we will be all right against West Ham. I think we're going to win three 0 If you want my prediction, uh, yeah, I, honestly, I do. I think we'll. Be- Jeez, they're a good team now. I, I think they are a good team. Don't get me wrong. 
But I think we've always had a very good record against them at home, whether that be Highbury or the Emirates. I, I, I just feel we'll just have too much for them. Yes, they, 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 you know, they've done a number of in the League Cup. I know that. And I think that that's also going to spur Rice on more because he, I think he came on in that game, didn't he? He didn't start. He, did. he came on for like 20, on. yeah. Yeah. I think he's going to be, obviously he's going to be a starter. That goes without saying. And I think he'll have a bit of a point to prove. Although, look, that, um, and that's, that's, I'm saying that with the utmost respect because I know he loves the club. He knows that they made him what he is today as a player. And, you know, uh, he, he was there for so many years. So I'm not saying that with any disrespect, but I think he's still going to want to, you know, do his best against his old club. And I think um, because of that, as one of the big factors, I believe, I don't think we're going to miss habits at all. And that's, again, saying it with respect because I'm actually loving habits at the moment. I think a lot of the fans are. I think he's found his, his, his purpose and his role at the club. I think he's done tremendously well in the last few games. I think, yeah, yesterday was probably not ideal Um uh, maybe he could have been played differently. I don't know, but he, I expected more from yesterday. But I think I'll take that as a one-off. It's Anfield. It's difficult. You know, it's not the easiest of places to go to. Um, and I just think that it was a defender's game yesterday more than an attacker's game. I think it was definitely that. Um, so let's part that aside. I don't think it's going to be a problem that Havertz is not going to be there. I think it's Jorginho, one of Jorginho or Trossard, but I'd like to see him also throw. And I think we're going to win 3-0, Jack. And I don't, I, I'll, I'll even say It'll be ironic to say that Rice will be the first scorer. Oof. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I'll take that. I mean, it's a you know, it's we, it's, we don't play Boxing Day. We play on the twenty eighth, don't we? So we That's kind right. of have a, a, a route of fixtures a, a, um, before we play. Um, so yeah, but hopefully, yeah. I mean, he's going to have to make a few changes anyway because you know it's, it's that Thursday and then it's Sunday um, a game, isn't it? Away at Fulham, I think. So it's not it's a pretty quick turnaround so he would have had to make one or two changes at least but yeah I agree with you I think he'll probably go Trossard to be honest for this game I would say if it was an away game he, he probably would go Jorginho but I think he'd probably go Trossard who I think probably earned a start after his sort of cameo performance in this I thought he was quite lively personally so um, yeah I, I think he'll do that and he might make one or two other changes but um, we'll, 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 we'll see if he does that I can't see, see too too many but we've yeah we've got to get back to to, to winning ways you take that point don't you but then we've got to get back to winning ways and and um, I'll go I don't know I, I think it might be a, 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 they do look quite strong they've got some really good attacking players I, I'll go 2-1 I'll go 2-1 Arsenal and um, say Saka say Saka we need our wingers firing you know that, that, that's my argument as well on the wingers as well is because it's, it's not that what we don't have in the squad is what he doesn't trust so you know if, if I know the six is a need but if Rice does you know miss a game Jorginho would come in right obviously he had a little foot injury but he's back in the squad now and obviously we're not even talking about party there and if if um if if this you know if I'm talking about Ivan Tony and the striker option, but if, if Jesus goes up, we still got Eddie, we still got Havertz, we still even play Trossard there. But if Saka goes down, who I I don't even know who comes in for him. I don't know if he plays Nelson. I don't know if he tries to put Martinelli out there. He puts Trossard out there. Puts Jesus. I don't know. Uh, I'm not, and I don't think he necessarily has is convinced of who that. That's why you rarely see Saka even come off in games. So. That would be my argument. There is, is I, I don't think we've really got true coverage. We've got squad players, but we've not got anyone that he truly trusts to come into that position. And what do you do when these players aren't firing? They're not always going to be firing. You know, there's been games. The last game for Liverpool, they, they, they were their fans were going mental about Salah. 
get him off, get him off, Salah. I you know. know. It's, not, it's not just, you know, and you know what he can do at any moment. So it's not just us. It's not, and it's not a, even a slight on Martinelli or Saka. It's just, it's not going to always work for them. It's not going to always work for 22-year-olds out wide. So, and you've seen, I think, I think Martinelli's only got a couple of goals this season. So he's definitely not on it in terms of output. So wouldn't it be amazing to have a top, top winger on, on, you know, sitting there and then then being like, if I don't do it in the first 45, 50 minutes, I'm coming off here because this guy's no joke. Do you know what I mean? And, and as much as I love Trossard, I think more and more might be contrary to seeing him as a different type of option up front. Yeah, not necessarily, right. not, not, not the same. We can't play the same way with him. And I, I, I don't, I don't think he likes that. I, 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 so I, I don't know. Let's see. Let's see what we do. But Neil, it's been great. Thank you to everyone that listened in. We've got some nice comments and some good views on our last one post, Brighton. Hopefully we get the same for this one, but appreciate you wherever you are. If you're just on uh, Twitter, retweeting the podcast at Purely Arsenal FP or on YouTube listening or even on the on the other apps listening in podcast format, we appreciate you. Just type in Purely Arsenal to YouTube. James had a good nap through this one. He look, should look very well rested for Christmas. Um, wishing you a very Merry Christmas, Neil, from the top of the league. Uh, just get yes. um, and let's hopefully we can, we can keep that way and, and, and follow your predictions for the next one but we'll be back hopefully after it's always a bit awkward with the holidays and stuff like that but we'll be back as soon as we can hopefully after the next one with another review and uh, keep the faith and fill out the way up the Arsenal